Hey church family, this week we have a special treat for you. My mother-in-law, Carla Lonis, is preaching about the Dr. Seuss book titled The Zacks, a story about a southward Zacks and a northward Zacks, who reach a standstill when neither of them will move out of the other's way. They waited and waited, thinking the world would stand still due to their issues. Instead, the world moved on and even around the two Zacks. Let's send it over to Carla for this week's sermon. Did you see how much space surrounded them? How open and deserted the scene was? Don't you suppose one of them could have said, pardon me, and stepped around? Our scripture reading this morning is from Luke 15, verses 11 through 32. And I've asked Cassie and Kathy to take on the parts of the two boys. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to the father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property among them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went out and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, and filled with compassion for him, he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the, servant, but the father said to the servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called to one of the servants and asked him, What is going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed a fattened calf because he's come back safe and sound. But the older brother became angry and he refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. 
The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. O Lord, may the words that I share this morning be pleasing to you. May the message I share touch the hearts of your people. Amen. I always thought the word prodigal meant lost. After all, this this parable is right after the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin. But according to the dictionary, prodigal means to spend money or resources freely and recklessly, wasteful and extravagant, or having or giving something in a lavish scale. So I suppose prodigal really refers to how the boy lived while in the faraway country. But in my mind, he was still lost. How does this happen? Our human nature is prideful. I remember my baby sister being obstinate and stubborn to my mother, sitting in our high chair, being fed some delicious baby food, and my little two-year-old sister, Annie, grabbing the spoon and declaring, do it myself. And what a lovely mess she made. Pride is so prevalent in our world today. That's, but it's nothing new. The Bible has a lot of messages about pride, even as early as in the very first book of the Bible, Genesis 3. That's not very soon after the creation of the world, when Eve was tempted and succumbed to pride in wanting to be godlike. She did the one thing that God asked her and Adam not to do. She took a bite of the forbidden fruit. And being a good wife, she shared it with her husband. She knew better than God. She did not physically die at that moment, but she did wound herself spiritually, and both she and Adam forfeited the loving and open relationship they had with God. There and there are the words from Proverbs, like our memory verse. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom, Proverbs 11.2. Or this one. Pride comes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. That's Proverbs 16, 18. In other words, in this context, pride is an arrogant attitude, basically saying, I know better than God. Well, just in case you haven't noticed, this morning's message is about pride. But is pride always a bad thing? For example, I am very proud of my children and grandchildren. Is that bad? Isn't it good for their souls to know that someone who loves them is proud of their accomplishments? I don't believe pride in that sense to be harmful or to be one of the seven deadly sins. It is wrong, though, when it stands in the way of the greater good. Remember those axes on the road? Neither would budge. Each learned in Zach's school the way they should go, and each stood firm when they met. I quote, never budge, that's my rule, never budge in the least, not an inch to the west or an inch to the east. I'll stay here not budging, I can, and I will, if it makes you and me and the whole world stand still. Their behaviors may seem silly to us, but let's take a look at ourselves. How many times have we been caught up in a disagreement, even in the church, when we believe we know better how to do something or how something should be handled? We we can become rigid in our thinking. Now, I'm a good German girl. 
And I've been known to be pretty stubborn in my thinking sometimes. It can even be blinding to the point of preventing me from really seeing the other side of an issue. Well, have you ever felt that way? We're all different. We all come from different backgrounds, and we've all been raised differently. I imagine in God's eyes that makes us both wonderful and frustrating. Our pride about certain issues can prevent us from really holding fast to our mission, which is to love God and love others. The author of the Gospel according to Dr. Seuss says it this way, we may want to consider the Zaxes we've encountered in our own lives, including in the church. And it may even be a better idea for us to search for the Zacks within ourselves. We will always have trouble growing as individuals and as a community of Christ if we are unwilling to change, unwilling to budge, unwilling to consider someone else's feelings and perspectives. No wonder pride is one of the seven deadly sins. I do want to take a moment, though, to uh, mark a difference between being stubborn for personal preference or defending a moral issue or a principle. We can respect people who stand up for their moral beliefs. This brings to my mind the story of Stephen in the Bible, who was stoned for being a follower of Christ in the early church. And you can find that story in Acts 7. Back to our parable. Let's look at the younger son first. The boy asked for his share of the estate from his father. An estate division would not normally take place until after the death of the father. So it sounds like the boy was saying more than I want my money. It sounds like he's saying he doesn't care about his father or what happens to him. I guess he's telling his father that he wished he were dead. It's not a pretty picture. The proud, foolish, stubborn boy received the money from his share of the estate and took off for a different, distant country. He thought he knew so much. Remember the proverb I quoted earlier? Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. He recklessly spent his money. He could have been tricked into losing some of his money by a sharp con man, or maybe he gambled the money away or spend it on entertaining women. We don't know, and it really doesn't matter. The fact is, he didn't move to the far country to get gainful employment or start a business with the money he got from his father's estate. As the story tells us, there was a famine in the land, and he became hungry and desperate. He ended up tending pigs for a local farmer. Pigs were unclean animals to Jewish people. This was a shameful thing for a Jewish boy to do. And it's said that it's only when someone is really desperate and hits bottom that they are motivated to change. And so it was with the boy. Have you ever been like this boy? Maybe not to that extent, but so proud that perhaps foolish choices were made. And what about that older son? The one who stayed behind and faithfully worked for his father. I love this boy. Frankly, I was not perfect, but I was the obedient and compliant child in our home, and I can identify with this boy. In fact, he was coming in working from the fields when he heard the loud noises and music. He was miffed when he found out it was a party for his wayward brother. The brother who basically told his father, I wish you were dead. 
Can't you see him digging in his heels, maybe puffing out his chest? Can't you hear the indignance in his voice? He even exaggerates when he complains to his father. I don't believe for one moment that this older brother was ever treated like a slave. But have you ever felt that things weren't fair? Have you ever felt like this older brother? In both cases, the boys were proud. In both cases, the father, the good, good father, reached out for the boys. In the first case, the father must have been looking for his lost son because when he saw him in the distance, he ran to him. He saw him, so he was looking for him. He embraced him. The boy even started to give his rehearsed speech, but the father, it didn't matter to him. That boy had returned from the dead. When the second son, with the second son, the father went ahead and left the party, and he went out to talk to his son, the stubborn, stubborn boy. The father pleaded with the boy to come in and celebrate the return of his lost son. Did you catch what the father said? He told him, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. We don't know how the story ended. Jesus ends the tale with the older son being separated. It's kind of like the Zaxes. The world went on around them, and they remained at an impasse. Would the older son be like the Zaxes, stuck, frustrated, not getting what he really wanted and needed, which was accepting the love of his father? Isn't relationship what we all want? Is it so important to always be right? Does pride get in the way of our having joy in our hearts? The good news is that we do have a father who loves us regardless of what we have done. He wants relationship with us. All he really expects of us is to love him and love others. Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you for always wanting relationship with us, for wooing us back to you no matter what we have done. Soften our hearts to receive your love and share it with others. Amen. Again, we want to thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that you are blessed and that you are a blessing. Go in peace.